Today we celebrate the first Sunday after Christmas, and our, Luke, our gospel comes from St. Luke, chapter 2, verses 22 through 40. And when the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord, and to offer sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rise of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed. And a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin, and then as a widow until she was 84. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. And when they had performed everything according to the law of the Lord, they returned into Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom. And the favor of God was upon him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Today's gospel is a tender scene. The infant Jesus, a 40-day-old baby, is brought to the temple. Mary and Joseph were obeying the word of the Lord in doing this. They were there for the ritual purification according to the law of Moses, and they were there to offer the prescribed sacrifice. Mary and Joseph brought with them an offering of a pair of turtle doves. That was the alternative sacrifice for the poor folks. If you couldn't afford a lamb, that's what you brought. But then on the other hand, what need had they to bring a lamb? when they already held within their arms the true Lamb, who takes away the sin of the world. Before going any further, there's an obvious lesson that none of us should overlook. Mary and Joseph brought Jesus to the temple. They did so in obedience to the law and to worship God. To put it simply, they brought Jesus to church. What do we learn from this? Christian mothers and fathers bring their children to church. There's simply no question where the Christian family will be on the Lord's Day. They come to church. They come to church on the Lord's Day to worship God, to confess their sins, to receive absolution, to hear his preaching and receive the sacrament. Whether we feel the need for it or not, or have the desire to go or not, matter very little, matters not at all. The Lord commands us to go.
Jesus says that where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am. We believe in the fifth chief part of the catechism on the office of the keys about the ministry, that when the called ministers of Christ deal with us by his divine command, retaining and absolving sins, it is just as valid and certain, even in heaven, as if Christ our Lord dealt with us himself. We go to church because Jesus said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. He said, Drink of it, all of you. This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. We come to church. We receive the sacrament, so that in the words of the Catechism, that I may learn to believe that Christ, out of great love, died for my sin, and also learn from him to love God and my neighbor. This isn't the Roman Catholic idea of a day of obligation. Your need for being in the presence of the Lord is far greater than all that. Your life hinges upon it. Your breath, your life, your salvation, your resurrection all depends upon the word of God that is preached and heard and believed. Mary and Joseph bring Jesus to the temple, and so should we bring ourselves and those we love to the church of God. It pleases him. It fortifies our families. It wards off the devil and connects us with the word of Christ in the communion of saints. And what great examples of this holy life of faith we have this morning in the lives of old Simeon and Anna. And Anna. They're the ones waiting around in the temple, praying, keeping vigil, watching for the Lord to enter into his temple. And somehow the Holy Spirit had let them in on a secret. Perhaps word had gotten out from those shepherds in the field outside of Bethlehem. What's the secret? Well, remember all those readings from Christmas Eve? They're kind of all over the place, but they're there to let you in on the secret that's making Simeon and Anna pretty giddy in our gospel today. And it's this. The glory of God, the presence of the Lord, that traveled with God's people in the ark, in the tabernacle, in the cloud, and in the fire. The presence of the Lord that later moved to the temple, but then departed. Well, there was an incredible vision proclaimed by the prophets that the rebuilt second temple would one day be filled with an even greater glory. And it's now all happening, right before their eyes. Remember that line that we know from Handel's Messiah, the Lord will suddenly come to his temple. Well, here it is. And maybe not with all the fanfare one might expect. Just a couple senior citizens and Simeon and old Anna to greet him. But the Lord, as you well know, has a thing for humble entrances. But it wasn't to be missed by Simeon. He was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And at some point, the Holy Spirit had whispered into his ear and tipped him off that he would not see death until he had seen the Lord's Christ with his very own eyes. So, when the glory of the Lord entered into the temple, wrapped and swaddled and pressed to Mary's chest, Boy, did his eyes ever light up. Beaming, he moved across the temple court. And I'd imagine, like a gentleman, he asked Mother Mary if he could hold her little baby. And the privilege wasn't denied him. He took Jesus in his arms, and looking into the eyes of Christ, he sang, Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace. Mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people. 
a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. Oh, and you know that song too, don't you? Every Lord's Day you come into the presence of God and behold his glory, his sacrificial love for sinners. And at the sacrament, like Simeon, you reach out and take the body and blood of the Lord, swaddled under bread and wine, and you quite literally see your salvation. Mary and Joseph pondered those words of Simeon, but that's not all he told them. Simeon blessed them and spoke to Mary. Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel. And he told her that a sword would pierce her soul too. And when she stood at the cross, looking up at her son, remembering his tiny body, his tiny little hands and tiny little feet that she had once bathed, but now painfully pierced, bloody, and bearing the sins of the whole world. She was pierced herself to her very soul. But how faithful this mother of God was, who believed the words spoken to her by the angel Gabriel and confirmed through many signs and wonders. Imagine the pain and the hope of this faithful mother looking up at her crucified son and entrusting her child to the God of heaven who would raise her and her son from the grave. Yes, Simeon said that this child would be destined for the fall and rising of many. But the Greek word here for rising is really resurrection, because that's what it's all about. Jesus on the cross is the death of sin. It is the destruction of the grave and eternal life for all who will receive this crucified king. Simeon, with his arms around this infant king, blessed Mary and told her what to expect. That a sword would pierce her soul. And it did. But that piercing sword is ultimately Jesus' own preaching, which pierces Israel, which goes out to the whole world, causing the rise and fall of many who will either receive or reject the consolation of his love. Now the Holy Family and Simeon, they aren't the only folks at the temple that day. There's also an old woman named Anna. What we know about her is that she wouldn't leave the temple, practically live there. She was a church lady. Remember at Christmas how those shepherds spread the word about Jesus' birth? But now look at Anna. She has such love for the gospel, she's speaking about Jesus' death, speaking to everyone she can about the redemption of Jerusalem. In a day of evangelism programs, wouldn't it be a bad idea to toss them all out and just have a good look at old Anna? She's present where Christ has promised to be and can't stop talking about him to everyone she meets. So plenty to learn on this first Sunday after Christmas. Plenty to learn from Simeon and old Anna. Most important, we recognize Christ in our midst. And then from him, we learn how to live and how to die. As you heard, Simeon's song that he sang with Jesus in his arms, you sing that after Holy Communion every week. You know, Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace. We call it the Nuctimittis which is just a fancy Latin way of saying depart. But it's not just about departing or returning to your church pew. And it's not just about busting out of the church doors after the service and going home either. Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart. Simeon's song is about going to our true home and dying a Christian death. It's about jealously desiring the future life even more than this one and being willing, eager even, to depart this life and live with Christ forever. I've never officiated a Lutheran funeral where we didn't sing this at the end of the service. 
But don't misunderstand me here. This isn't some morbid, gloomy take on things. Quite the opposite, actually. It's the foundation of Christian joy. Because when we sing the Nuc Dimittis, it's our way of practicing our Christian death, so that when it comes, we will be ready, peaceful, and, well, to push things a little, giddy even, like Simeon and old Anna. Sure, they're old, but their future beamed brightly. This is what we do when we go to the Lord's Supper. We grab hold of Christ, and we practice and rehearse how to depart this life, how to die, all so that we can more fully live in this one, putting all of our trust in God and daily finding new ways to love and serve our neighbor. In the name of Jesus, amen.